CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you, as we always are. Not kidding. We always look forward to this. I always look forward to this time of the day because it's one of the highlights of my day. Just getting with all of you and answering questions about the Bible. You know, God's Word is a light to our path. And, you know, I want to just remind everybody, people sometimes say, well, how is God going to judge the world someday? You happen to have that rule book in your hand called the Bible, and that's how God's going to do it. So if you got a question, you've been reading your reading your Bible, people have been asking you questions, give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. We'll do our very best to answer those questions for you. What the Bible really says on that topic, and I think it's important to get the full counsel of God's Word. Remember, Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not just the ones we like, but all of them. So it's so important. We've got some lines open again. 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, special guest featured uh, CSN speaker, Morning Times here, Chosen Generation, Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all listeners out there. Great to be with you on To Every Man and Answer. Looking forward to the great questions that come in each and every time. I have the opportunity to be on with you, and it's, it's just a real joy to hear people wanting to grow in their faith, to grow in the Word of God, to grow in the love of Jesus Christ. So it's it's just a, a sweet time together, and looking forward to the great calls that come in, Mike. Amen. And uh, uh, this Sunday, see, I'll, I'll make a, a shameless plug again for you, because I Absolutely. love you. You're, you're, you're my friend. Uh, Ryan <laughs> Reese. Ryan Reese will be speaking in your church this Sunday morning. That is uh, Raul Reese's son. And Ryan Reese has just got the gift of evangelism, loves going all over, uh, speaking to young people, reaching out to kids, uh, and then oftentimes does a mini crusade at the skate parks. And he goes out there with his team, and they give away skateboards and Bibles, and uh, they share the gospel. It's just, I've been to several of his rallies, and they are truly a blessing. And so as he prepares, I think, maybe in the fall to be doing some skate park outreaches here in Hawaii, I think it's going to be a really neat, fun thing. And so he's going to be at your church. Tell us the times. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be 8.30 and 10.30, our morning services. It's going to be a sweet time with uh, with Ryan. He's, he's a great evangelist. God has really gifted him. I I worked for Raw Reese way back in 1979 and 1988. Then we moved to Hawaii. Had a great time with Raw, uh, working for him. And I knew Ryan when he was just a little guy. And he's grown up, and he has a great testimony. Uh, he left the Lord, and he came back to the Lord uh, in salvation, and how God has been using his life tremendously to— uh, minister the gospel to the whole world. And the, he's got the ministry called the Whosoever's. It's from John three sixteen, 16. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he's doing a tremendous work, uh, like I said, internationally as well as nationally. And we're looking forward to having him at our church this Sunday, 8.30 and 10.30 are the service times at Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor. 
Find out more information, just go to our website, CalvaryChapelPearlHarbor.com. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the shameless plug. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, and and one for here, too, if you're on the Big Island. Yes. Ryan Reese will be here tomorrow night at the Sure Foundation speaking to the youth group. If you're a youth, know a youth, somebody between probably the ages of 10 and and, uh, 18, 19, uh, Ryan's going to be sharing his testimony. It's going to be a great time tomorrow night at the Sure Foundation Church. Starts at six o'clock, goes to probably about eight thirty-nine, something like that. They've got uh, refreshments and skateboarding, all kinds of stuff going on. And then Ryan Reese will be there tomorrow night, speaking to the kids as well. And so you're invited to come if you're on the Big Island, and also. If you're on the Big Island tonight, there at the Sure Foundation, I'll be speaking on the Book of Revelations, and we're going to try to get to Chapter 4 tonight. And so what's going on in the world? Well, come tonight. You're going to know a whole lot more than you know now. And so I just want to just encourage you to bring a friend. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. And be sure to tell your kids, bring a friend tomorrow night as well. They're really going to appreciate Ryan Reese, Raul Reese's son, is going to be here with us. And so look forward to that. By the way, uh, Sure Foundation tonight starts at 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and we're going through the book of Revelation. So bring your Bible, bring a friend. Let's go to the phones. We have Richard on the line, Bend, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking me. Um, The question pertains to uh, the parable of the sowers in Mark. Um, and the seed that was cast on the stony, not the stony ground, but out there on the path, and the fowls came and ate it. And then it progresses down, and the explanation that Jesus gave us, fellows, was that the uh, seed, of course, the Word of God, thrown out on the hard-packed ground, and the fowls came and ate it. Um, that seems to very frequently be associated with birds or representation of evil and i'm thinking well maybe in this case but later down in the parables uh what should we like in the kingdom of heaven to well it's like a mustard seed it grew and it grew so big and i've seen pictures of them um the fowl of the air came and they could nest under it and take lodging and some of the notable teachers point out that that also is a representation of evil being the fowls. And I'm wondering if that's stretching it, or should we take everything in the context of the subject matter? I believe to take it uh, in context, and here's why. First of all, we, we realize whether you go back to Joseph's dream where he was in prison after his brothers sold him to slavery, Potiphar's wife brought a false accusation against him. He ends up in prison. There he meets the butler and the baker. They both had dreams. Evidently, there was some kind of an attempt on Pharaoh's life. They didn't know whether it was the butler or the baker. Well, in this particular case, it wasn't the butler that did it. Evidently, it was the baker. Because they both told Joseph his dream. And he said, well, I I, I had a dream. And the, the butler said, he goes, oh, you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh's side. And the baker said, well, I had a dream too, and, and here's what I dreamed, uh, that there was loaves on my, my head and the birds came and, and plucked it. And he goes, God, God has shown me that your head's going to be plucked off. You're, you're going to be decapitated over all this. Um, and so birds are not a good thing generally in the Bible. Now, 
When we come to that, the birds came and ate the seed. Yeah, they did, and that's what they do. Uh, when we find the parable of the mustard seed. Now, we got a couple of things here we have to look at. Number one, a mustard seed turns into a tree. That is not normal. A mustard seed, if you go to Israel today, it's like an Idaho sagebrush. They, they don't get much bigger than five, six foot tall. So if you have a, a seed that's supposed to be a bush that's five or six feet tall and turns into a tree, you have abnormal growth. But here's what happens, and we find this in churches and groups everywhere. When something grows abnormally large, you kind of lose the the ohana. You kind of lose the family spirit there. And you have people that come into the church, into organizations that really don't have the best interest for the family or for the kingdom of God. They're there for political gain. They're there for monetary gain. They're there for uh, stroking their ego in some way. And so I believe that when something grows abnormally large, it can be a place where bad people can come in and lodge in its branches. And I think it's interesting that it says, actually, they they take up residency there. And this is a bad thing. And I've seen this many, many times in different well-known Christian organizations where the vultures have come in and there's a change. And then here's the president of their company gets voted out because the malcontents want control and the money that this other man, the man who started the ministry, spent his whole life developing. They're there to steal it. No, I believe the birds there are very much in line with the rest of Scripture that speaks of them being uh, an evil thing. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree 100% as we look to these birds. Even right now, as we look to the church overall across the world, we have the Church of Philadelphia along with the Church of um, Laodicea. Laodicea, of course, is the lukewarm church. Jesus says they make him sick and he wants to vomit them out of his mouth. In fact, they're so outside of the word of God. Jesus is outside that church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone uh, will open their heart, I will come into them and sup with them. And so forth. he's calling them to repentance. Right now, we look at the church and it's full of these evil birds, if you will, uh, evil preachers, evil teachers who reject the word of God, who are preaching uh, uh, that you can be uh, live like our culture today in, in absolute rebellion against God's creation and homosexuality and transgenderism and all these things. It's okay. God understands. Uh, or, or even in fornication or adultery, let's throw it all in there heterosexually. And, and it's, it's okay. God doesn't really care. Just, you know, be kind and, and love each other and you're good to go. Well, the biggest problem is we're missing the first commandment. You got to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that comes by the word of God. And when you reject the word of God, like Romans chapter one tells, tells us that they were given over to debased mind, they reject the word of God. These evil birds in the tree, in the tree, if you will, false prophets, false teachers, false ministers of the gospel, false pastors, and so forth. This is what you have. We have this lukewarm church with us. Jesus tells the church of Philadelphia, he says, you are to keep my word. Keep my word, and I'll keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. And don't deny my name. That is his authority. 
authority through the Holy Scriptures that speak of him. And he, he is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So this is so vitally important that in these last days that we recognize these false teachers, as, as Paul the Apostle wrote in Second Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 11, and he says, hey, they're going to come to you with a different Jesus. They're going to come to you with a different spirit. They're going to come to you with a different gospel. And we have to recognize these things. Thus, we study the word of God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's very important for us in these last days that we're not deceived by these dirty birds, if you will, who are trying to deceive others, deceive the body of Christ by rejecting the word of God and accepting the culture into the church. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Richard, I hope that answers it for you. It sounds like you've been studying your Bible and you pretty much figured it out on your own. That's great. Thank you, Mike. Hey, one other, just a fun question. Um, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Looking forward to the rapture. Uh, Amen. Here's the fun question. Here's the fun question: Are we going to be raptured bodily or in the spirit? There's. I believe it says in the scripture that in a moment, twinkling of an eye, this corruption will put on incorruption. So it appears to me that our bodies will be changed at the rapture into our new body and will be raptured. I don't think there's going to be dead bodies laying all over. I think the the uh, the context there, the dead in Christ rise first. They're the ones that have already died. Now, they're spirits with the Lord, but you're going to need a body during the millennial reign of Christ. And I think the timing of getting this body is very, very important as well. But they're going to need a body just like Jesus had. Paul says, we're not exactly sure, but we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. In other words, Jesus was able to eat, which is good news for all of us. I like that. Mm -hmm. Plus, we'll be able to banish and reappear. Um, Jesus appeared behind locked doors. Paul says, this is the kind of body we're going to get. And so understanding that, uh, they get their new body, the dead in Christ. God's got the DNA of every person that's ever lived, and they're resurrected with their glory body. In other words, their spirit that's been in heaven reunites with a glorified new body, not under the curse. And then the Bible says the, the, the dead in Christ rise first, then those that are alive and remain are transformed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. So that's when we put on our incorruption. And so people say, well, what about the verse that says, uh, Hebrews 9, it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. Uh, are we skirting that verse? No, I don't believe we are. And here's why. Because when we come to Christ, we bury the old man, spiritually speaking. And so we have died, you might say, to our old self, but God's going to raise us incorruptible. Now, those that have already died, they're going to be raised because they've already died. The idea of soul sleep is not in the Bible. Absent in the body, present with the Lord. Uh, when Jesus prayed for Jarius' daughter in the Gospels, uh, after he prayed for her, the Bible says her spirit returned to her. It does not say her spirit woke up inside of her. And also in the Old Testament, we find the same thing when Elijah prayed for a little boy in First Kings, uh, and he came back to life. His spirit returned to him. 
So the idea of soul sleep is not a biblical thing. Well, what about what about in Acts where Stephen, uh, uh, they were stoning him and he fell asleep? That is speaking about his body. And of course, this body, the cemeteries are full of these old shells. I call them our gray earth suits. We all have a gray earth suit we wear every day. You want to take care of it until the Lord comes back or transforms it. But uh, we understand that this is how God uh, uh, takes care of us and how God transforms us. And so I believe we're going to get our new body. This old one will just turn into a new one. Uh, you say, well, how can that be? Well, I don't know how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Same critter at the same time morphs into something completely different. But uh, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, the rapture of the church, we're all looking forward to it. It will take place before the great tribulation, the seven years of tribulation. Uh, we know that without a shadow of a doubt. That's why we're able to comfort one another with the, with the teachings out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then Revelation chapter 3 with the Church of Philadelphia, and so forth, John 14, 1 to 3. It's going to be a very exciting time, and we're, as Mike just shared, we're going to be changing, it says in a moment, that the Greek word is atomo, it speaks of an atom of time and a twinkling of an eye, not a winkling, but a twinkling. It's going to happen so quickly, we'll be transformed quickly, and we'll receive that glorified body uh, immediately as we're transformed, as the Lord takes us home to heaven. Then, of course, we will return with the Lord at his second coming at the end of the tribulation period. We'll mount up on those horses, the Bible says in Revelation 19, and we're going to ride and come back with the Lord, and he'll establish his millennial kingdom for a thousand years, and he will reign and rule from the throne of David there in Jerusalem, and we'll be uh, a kingdom of priests, uh, spiritual leaders there during that time uh, for the thousand years, ministering to people that made it through the tribulation without taking the mark of the beast. And uh, we'll be ministering to them and their kids and their kids and their kids because it'll be like the Garden of Eden and the, the longevity of mankind will probably be extended greatly. And uh, we're going to, it'll be an incredible time during a thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ. And then we, after that, we'll be heading off to the new heavens and new earth and new Jerusalem. So we've got a lot of exciting things ahead of us. And uh, I, I just love what it says in Corinthians there. This corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality, as Mike shared. And it's going to be a, a, just a sweet time. No more disease, no more sickness, no more headaches, no more pain, no more sin, no more devil. We're going to be perfected forever and ever and ever. Love it. Just is what the Lord has planned for all of us. Mike? Amen. Hope that answers for you, Richard. You bet. See you there, guys. Have a good day. Goodbye. You Amen. Too. Stay online. If you like sending out books and DVDs, let's go to Brandon, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hey, Loser. Uh, my, my question seems kind of a, a small compared to the to the amazing questions you guys have been dealing with today. Um, my question comes out of uh, Judges chapter 21. Uh, this is in regards to the uh, to the Levite priest who had a concubine, uh, went into the tribe of Benjamin and stayed with a family there. And another family came and uh, tried to take him over. He gave them their concubine, and uh, they raped her into the point of death. Um, and then he ended up cutting up the cutting up the concubine who had passed away or was murdered and sent him to the rest of the tribes. And uh, the rest of the tribes went to war against uh, Benjamin. Uh, my question is, and, and this is neither here nor there, not doctrinal, I'm sure. Uh, it says, now men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, there shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. Um, my question comes as uh, 300 years later, 
when Saul was king, he gave his, who was a Benjamite, gave his daughter to uh, King David. Uh, my only question was, was when was that, uh, when was that, that decree in Mizpah lifted, or did it go away when uh, the high priest died, or did it go away when uh, Saul was made king? Well, it seems to be in the rest of the chapter. If you look there, you'll, you'll see that they, when they realized what they had done, that they had ostracized one of the tribes of Israel, they realized that the thing that they did was wrong. And uh, this is why I believe the Bible is very clear on being very careful on oaths that we make, because because people oftentimes overreact to circumstances. We say things that we shouldn't do, and we find that all the way through the Bible. Well, the first thing that walks through the door, God, I will sacrifice to you. I guess he was thinking his dog or a cow was going to walk through the front door, and his daughter walks you know, so when we look at all these different things, people speaking irrationally through the Bible, and this is why I believe we need to be um, quick to forgive and slow to anger, because I think we do things and say things um, sometimes when we're angry that when we really would logically think it through, we would never do those things. And so when you look at the rest of the chapter, how they allowed uh, some of the daughters of Israel then to become brides for the tribe of Benjamin. Your thoughts on that, Daryl? Yeah, you know, uh, the, I, if I understood uh, what you were asking is how they get their wives and so forth for the what was left of the Benjamites and so forth. I think the answer for us is found in the verse 13 of chapter 21 of Judges. It says, then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin who were at the rock of uh, Rimon, and announced peace to them. So Benjamin came back at that time, uh, and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh-Gilead, and yet they had not found enough for them. So that's probably where the, the wives uh, that they ended up taking, because the, the 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 catastrophe of these tribes fighting each other, thousands upon thousands were killed, and, and thus that uh, they got the bribes from those folks there. So uh, I think that probably is the answer you're looking for. I think it is anyway. Is that, and were you hitting it on target there, my friend? Yeah, and, and, and when you look at verse 22 as an example where it talks about this oath that was made, it, it, I always call this the babe grab. Now, this is a very strange thing. Uh, what it is, is they said when the, when the ladies come out uh, to do their dance at the festival, you guys lie in wait, and then when they come out, you just grab one you like, haul her off. I, I, I mean, Daryl, this is kind of <laughs> like crazy stuff. This is the this is the babe grab, um, and and because here's why, it says then it will be when the fathers or their brothers come to us and complain that we will say to them, be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them for war. For it was not as though you had given the young women to them at this time. Here it is, making yourselves guilty of your oath. Going back to that earlier oath that you spoke of. Daryl, any last thoughts? No, I think that's about it. I, I think we covered it. Uh, does that help you out, my friend? Um, yes, well, mine was a little bit more academic, and it was more pertaining to how David was able to marry 
the daughter of Saul, who was a Benjamite. That, that was that was more in line my question. Uh, I, I do I do see that though. I didn't I didn't see that for the, the men that were guilty guilty of their oath. Um, but, but like I said, mine was more of a an, an academic question. I just didn't know if that oath was held to the same way as a uh, as somebody who had committed murder and was hiding. Uh, in a city of refuge that that went away when the when the high priest died uh, so no my my more pertain to a, a king david and marrying the daughter of a benjamite well and there may be a clause in here too if you go to verse 25 it says and in those days there was no king in israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes so they may very well view this oath that was made simply as everyone doing what was right in their own eyes, rather than God-directed. And so uh, I think, again, we have to always really be careful when we make kind of outlandish oaths on things, because I, I believe that those things will uh, will and can get you in a lot of trouble. And so they may have nullified that because of verse 25, that it was just simply a group of people doing what they wanted to do. There was no real law or king in the land. So hope that helps. It does very much, uh, gentlemen. I appreciate it, and God bless you all. Stay online if you like. Send you out the books and DVDs, The Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort as well, and uh, Great for Evangelism. Let's go to Debbie, South Carolina. Hi, welcome. Hey, um, my question pertains to the book of Daniel. Uh, I'm reading an article in a prophecy magazine, and it says, and I'm confused on this, so if you could explain it to me. I basically have two questions for you. But the paragraph says, the apocryphal book of Daniel records that King Darius ordered Daniel to worship a great dragon. Darius says, you cannot deny that this is a living God. Daniel claims to be able to kill the dragon without using a sword. He cooks fat, hair, pitch, which he feeds to the dragon. The dragon bursts after the meal, and Daniel points out that God is more powerful than the dragon. The Babylonians made Darius throw Daniel into the lion's den for killing their dragon. Now, Chapter 6 of my book of Daniel, that's not why Daniel was thrown in into the fire. Am I missing something here, or is it because— Yeah, what, what, what are you reading? It, it's an article in a prophecy magazine pertaining to dinosaurs and man. Can they coexist? Does it, does it mean when it says the apocryphal book of Daniel, does that mean part of Daniel— does that mean that's part of the... Yeah, that that's added in and uh, completely heresy, and you want to completely disregard that. I want your take on this, Daryl, when we come back on the other side of the break. So no one go away. We're going <laughs> to have a good. whole lot more coming up right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you were just notified that your Medicare costs are increasing, a program out there can really help you with your medical bills. And it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65 plus. It's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65 plus is a low cost option for those with Medicare parts A and B. And it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider and you get telehealth access 
anytime you need it. And this is great too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. This is a sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn, who helped this mother of triplets choose life. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as five weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. Preborn is the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds for moms in crisis. Preborn pregnancy clinics share the heartbeats of those in the greatest need, preborn babies. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome me back to part two of Terry Van and Answer here on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, once again reminding you that Ryan Reese will be speaking at Raul, Raul Reese's son will be speaking at uh, your church there, Daryl, in um, beautiful Honolulu, uh, Absolutely. Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, this Sunday morning. Again, give us the time. 8 30 and 10 30. Come on up, folks, and join us. Yeah, you the word of God and let Ryan evangelize. Bring your unsaved family member. Yeah, if you got there. anybody unsaved, bring them. Because, yeah, bring them. It's going to be great. Uh, uh, really, really good evangelism. And also, Sure Foundation tomorrow night at the youth group. Uh, Ryan uh, will be there uh, at 6 o'clock to about 9 o'clock. Skateboarding, refreshments. going to be a good time for all the kids. So if you know anybody in the high, junior high, high school gang, Bring them. I know they're going to have a great time. And then tonight also there at Sure Foundation, I'll be teaching the book of Revelation from 6 to 7 o'clock, and we're going to start in Revelation chapter 2. So we want to invite you to come. Now, going back to the phones, we had Debbie on the line who said she was reading some apocryphal, uh, actually made-up addition to the book of Daniel, counterdicting what the Bible says so we know it's false. And uh, your thoughts on that, Daryl? Yeah, yeah, it's a part of the, uh, there's an apocryphal addition to the book of Daniel, and that's one of the sections. There's actually uh, three sections that have been added to Daniel in, in what's called the Apocrypha, and they're bogus. They're not uh, considered inspired, uh, the Word of God and so forth. So that what you're reading is taken from uh, the apocryphal books. Uh, so I would just basically toss it, don't pay any attention to it. We have the book of Daniel. Doesn't need any additions to it, and uh, when you when you look at the apocrypha, you find that Jesus nor the apostles uh, quoted those books ever. They were not considered to be canonized; they're not inspired uh, from God, and so that's why these apocryphal books are not part of uh, the Holy Scripture uh, and so forth. So, when you look at the the those that are canonized or are inspired by God. 
uh, Jesus quoted from them or the apostles quoted from them in the New Testament throughout all the books of the Bible. And so it's important to realize these things. So you don't want to get caught up in the uh, reading those apocryphal books. They're they're not uh, they're not considered uh, from God and so forth. So then a lot of people like to jump to those books and think we're missing something. We're not missing anything. We have all that we need in the 66 books of the Bible. Mike, I'll give it back to you. So I hope that helps. Pastor Mike? Yes. Hey, yeah, I wasn't reading the books. I read it was it was printed in a prophecy magazine, which I'm not going to read anymore. Just good idea. No, I, I wouldn't either. I I think that when they're <laughs> they're doing stuff like that, I mean, and 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 see, the reason the apocrypha was never quoted by Jesus, the reason the apocrypha is not in our Bible is the early church fathers saw these books. Maybe the Maccabees maybe has some historical significance, but some of the others are downright contradictory to the rest of the Bible. They were rejected because they were junk. And I tell people this, they were junk then, and they're (laughs) junk now. Time does not heal junk. You can take an old junk car, put it in your backyard, come back in a hundred years. Oh, it's brand new and shiny. Now it's true and new. No, it's even more junk. Because as we go along, we begin to find out why a lot of these books were written. Uh, they were bad. And so this is why uh, the church rejects them. And that's why Jesus never quoted from them. Debbie, I hope that helps. It does. Thank you. God bless you, dear Stan Lines. If you like, send you out some books, some DVDs. And with that, we'll go to Richard in Grass Valley, California. Hi, and welcome. Good afternoon, pastors. Yes. I have a. I have a. I have two things I'd like to ask you that you'd pray for my wife and I. I lost my uh, mom up to six weeks ago. She died at oh, ninety nine. She died in her sleep, but I have that hope. She's with Jesus. So. Yeah. And uh, the second thing is, I wanted to know if any of you guys are familiar with the name of uh, Rodney Brown, an evangelist. Okay. Is he Rodney Howard Brown? Yes, I wonder. Yeah, we have a lady in our Sunday school, well, our Bible study, and she's really into Rodney Brown, and I'm just wondering if he's legit or not. I looked it up on the computer, and it says he's a false teacher, so I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I remember him years ago. He was teaching people how to be drunk in the spirit, which is absolute foolishness, and he would have entire congregations uh uh, running around like crazy drunks, laughing hilariously, uh, out of control, uh, flopping on the floor and everything. And he is, he's, he is a false teacher. I would not follow his teachings at all. Uh, when you read about the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is to teach us to testify of Jesus Christ, to live according to Christ. Christ was not a crazy drunk running around. Uh, our Lord never did that. Also, we find that the fruit of the Spirit is not out of control, but fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Uh, so many times these teachers get up and they start espousing this great emotion and, and all these things, and people get caught up in it because the people have been taught the Word of God. And they think to be religious or they experience the Spirit of God, you've got to act crazy and do all these silly things. And God God teaches us not to be drunk anyway. So why would we want to be in, imitating the sinfulness of a drunkard? Uh, we, we're not to imitate that. We're to imitate Jesus Christ. And that's the real key. So uh, you're absolutely right in whatever you read in re- realizing that he's a false teacher. 
And I would encourage that woman to read the same, though, whatever you read. I've, hopefully it's a good article on him. And and you can share with her that he's not a good one to follow. I would not follow him. So that's uh, what I, I watched years ago. He was doing this. Uh, I don't know if he still is, but that's what he was teaching back then. And I wouldn't recommend him to to follow him. Mike? Yeah, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, we're in excess in Ephesians 5, but be filled with the Spirit. And um, again, I think that's so important because people that drink are trying to escape. And I think the deeper you go with the Lord, the more God reveals to us who He is and who you are and your dependence upon Him. And so, Richard, I hope that answers it for you. It does. And uh, a really quick thing for from both of you, I'd like you to just pray for my wife and I after my mom being Pat passed away six weeks ago. At her well, let's pray right now, Richard. Right on. Father, we just lift up uh, Richard and his wife to you and those that were close to his mom. We just pray for your comfort, your peace that passes all understanding. And we just ask you, God, that through this oftentimes very uncomfortable and sometimes the way it appears unfortunate thing, the Lord, people will come into your kingdom understanding that tomorrow's not promised to any of us, and that we need to be ready to open the door quickly when you come for us. And so I ask you that you would just bless him. We ask you that you would rest your hand on him, give him hope, give him insight, and Lord, give him the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Richard will be praying for you. If you like, stay online, send you out some books, some DVDs. I think I'll uh, encourage you. And um, God bless you. Our prayers are with you. Let's go to Maggie, Omaha, Texas. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi. Good. Good. Um, I talked a little bit to the person who answered the phone, uh, but um, we would we've been hearing listening to you for years, and uh, we really like your teaching and appreciate that. And uh, we. Just moved to Texas less than two years ago, and uh, we found out that uh, the church that we'd be going to, uh, they're based on replacement college, and mm. uh, we've been doing some research and praying, and we felt in that the Holy Spirit is really convicting us and discern, giving us discernment against it. And we'd like just for you, if you could expand a little bit on that for us, please. Sure, sure. Re- replacement theology, if you're unfamiliar with that to all of our listeners, is that there's a teaching that came out that says that the book of Revelation happened in 70 AD. And any talk of really even the rapture or any talk of God dealing with the nation of Israel again is completely erroneous. The church has replaced Israel, all the promises, and God has really no more to do with Israel than he does with Brazil. This is absolutely false teaching. And Jesus clarified that very clearly in Luke 21 when he said, Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. When Jesus said that, Jerusalem was under Roman control. And it went from Roman control to annihilation in 70 AD when it was burnt to the ground and scattered. But in Revelation, it tells us what happens at the end and why we know that that did not happen in 70 AD. The Bible says every living thing in the sea dies. That didn't happen in 70 AD. The mark of the beast. Globally, you cannot buy or sell without the mark on your name 
on your uh, the Antichrist name, mark, or number on your hand or on your forehead. That did not happen in 70 AD. Hail the size of 100-pound hailstones will fall on the earth. That did not happen in 70 AD. Well, they come along and say, well, that's metaphorically speaking. Oh, really? If you're going to do that to God's Word, then the whole Bible is a metaphorical story that cannot be believed. Because none of those things that the Bible speaks of are even referenced in any way, shape, or form to a metaphor. It's very clear that they are real. Now, of course, you have a beast with seven heads and ten horns. Yeah, I've been to a lot of uh, zoos. I've never seen anything like that. So I know that that's a metaphor. And if you read on, you find exactly what it's talking about. But there's no metaphor mentioned about every tree on earth, uh, all the greenery getting burned up. No mention that every living thing in the sea dies and the water's unfit to drink on the earth. No, that's real, friends. And so people come along and they tamper with God's Word. I think severe things will happen to them based upon Revelation chapter 22. Uh, It talks about that their name will get taken out of the book of life when they take away the words of this prophecy, and God will add to them the plagues of this book when they add to God's Word. To add to God's Word and say, oh, those things aren't real, that's adding to God's Word. I think those people are in a lot of trouble. I really do. And to take away from God's Word saying, oh, that doesn't really mean what it says. Obviously, it says every living Every living thing in the sea dies, but let me straighten you out on that. Uh, 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 you know, no, we take God's word for what it says. And I believe this is a real danger of what we find. And that's just part of the problems with replacement theology. Your thoughts, Daryl? Yeah, you know, in the book of Acts, chapter one, and Jesus has died, risen from the grave, and he's walking the earth, he's about ready to ascend to heaven. It says the following, the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus responds and says, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So Jesus himself is not saying that the church has replaced Israel. God will bring the kingdom to Israel when the the thousand-year reign of Christ takes place. uh, Jesus is going to reign and rule from the throne of David. And all the precious promises and prophecies that we read about Israel being restored, it will take place in that thousand-year reign. Uh, Also, we see that during the tribulation period, how God is not done with the nation of Israel, we see 144,000 Jews that are sealed by God, that cannot be killed, who are preaching that Jesus is the Hamashiach, uh, Yeshua Hamashiach, that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, They're going to be preaching that, and, and the salvation is only through him. And many Jews are going to be saved. Now, the church is not replaced. The church is, according to the book of Ephesians, it's brought Jew and Gentile together as one. And that's where we find ourselves as the church. But the church uh, uh, has not replaced Israel. Those promises God will fulfill. He doesn't go back on his promises for for the nation of Israel. It will take place in that 1,000-year reign of Christ. And right now, Jews are being saved, and we're all part of the church, and these promises will be fulfilled. So, uh, replacement theology is is uh, it's a false teaching, and it needs to be rejected by all pastors. And they, we need to realize that God is going to deal with the nation of Israel fully and completely, just as He's doing today. He brought them back into the land, May Fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight. We see that happening. We see Jerusalem under their auspices in nineteen sixty-seven, 
And now uh, all the promises that God has made to them is going to be fulfilled uh, in that 1,000-year reign of Christ. So it's these are exciting times that we're living at. And Israel is really the sign of the times that we're close to the rapture of the church and then the great tribulation period. And the Lord will fight for his people once again. You read about in the book of Ezekiel, chapters uh, 36, 37, 38, 39, where the nation of Israel is brought back into the land. And then you find 38, 39, there's going to be what's called the Ezekiel War. That'll take place, and God will defend his people. He'll fight for his people for his namesake. It's all going to take place. So, no, the church has not replaced Israel. Uh, God is going to deal with them, and it's going to be a glorious dealing. Mike? Yeah, and when you look at Luke chapter 21, Matthew chapter 24, these are all verses concerning the destruction of, of, of Jerusalem, all these different things that would happen. Um, but then it goes back. And it talks about the times that we live in. It says nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Well, in 70 AD, that didn't happen. There wasn't kingdom against kingdom. There wasn't nation against nation. There was just the Roman Empire. So we know these verses cannot be speaking of, 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 uh, of, of 70 AD. And so you have to, when you look at all of it, you cannot come to that conclusion because they believe that what now is going to happen is eventually the church is going to expand uh, the seven mountains. Uh, you know, we're going to take over the uh, media. We're going to take over governments and and we're just going to usher Christ in. What they're going to be ushering in is the Antichrist. And that's a real problem when you look and see what really he's up to. So I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's pretty amazing that even, um, the nation of Israel coming back, they said it has nothing to do with the Bible that the UN uh, ushered that in. You know what's even more so funny? Not- the Bible says this. Who has ever heard of such a thing, a nation born in a day? And that's exactly what happened yes. when the United Nations declared Israel once again to be a nation. You see, this is a real problem. And this is the stumbling block to the whole world, the Bible says. You know, you hear right now after the October 7th invasion, where Hamas declared war on Israel. And all you hear from the Democrats and Biden and all these people, the United Nations, ceasefire, Israel, ceasefire. Isn't it weird you don't hear one of them say, Hamas, surrender? You see, Hamas was voted in by the Palestinians as their government. Now, something you got to think about concerning these things, you get the government you deserve. Choose wrong, you're going to die. And this is one of the problems when they're screaming from the mountains to the sea, wipe Israel off the map. And uh, the people that are supposed to get wiped off the map don't take real kindly to that kind of talk. And so they wipe them off the map. But you never hear You'll never hear the United Nations say, Hamas, surrender. Real simple. They started the war. They can end it, but they won't do it. Why don't we hear anything from the United Nations on this? You know, Trump has been citing how awful the United Nations really is. And um, honestly, I, I agree. I don't think it's done anything to help anyone. And when you look at the mistreatment of Israel by the United Nations of late, you begin to realize 
how corrupt it really is. Again, why no declaration of, of, of surrender to, from Hamas to Israel? That will stop the war, but they won't surrender because they're not going to surrender. Oh, you can stop firing, but they'll be back at it again, just as they have done every few years since Israel's inception. It's just the way it is. Number two, no one gave the Palestinians the right to say they're the only Palestinians. Remember, Palestinians are not a race of people. Jews are, but Palestinians aren't. Palestinians are anybody that lived in the land when Israel became a nation. There were American Palestinians, Jewish Palestinian, Arab Palestinians. No one gave them the right to say they're the only Palestinians. And this is one of the great problems as well. And of course, our American news media, they're polished at never telling people the whole truth, seem to uh, uh, forget these facts. See, if they would report the facts to the American people and let the people decide. But see, all that changed in our school systems about 40 years ago, from how to think to what to think. You just believe what we tell you. Evolution is true. Uh, lightning in a swamp, a bunch of squiggly things. Uh, they started swimming around in the water. Uh, they crawled out on land, grew hair, shaved all their hair off, and became truck drivers. You just believe that. Don't ask questions. Well, it's the same way it is with our government. How can, and I don't want to, but I want to show you how this idea has taken over our whole thought process in the world. We just tell you, you don't question. Why no declaration of surrender to Israel from Hamas? That's real simple, friends. That is bone dog stacked two quarters on top of each other simple. But look at all the other things that are going on. President Biden declared mentally incompetent to stand trial for having these top secret documents in his garage where he got caught lying, saying, I don't have the documents. And then he said, well, I kept the documents so I could write my memoirs. So they declared him to be mentally unstable to stand trial. <laughs> but, he's stale, but he's stable to be the president? Stable to run for office again? See, we have dumbed down America. It's been a tremendous success. And with the help of the American news media that don't bring things to light, this is the problem. You hear about the occupied territories of Israel. Well, what are the occupied territories? They're not occupied. They belong to Israel. They got those in the Six-Day War when the Arab neighbors started a war against Israel. In six days, I believe with God's help, they whooped all those enemies. They lost the war. And so as as remuneration, Israel kept the West Bank of, of the, of the uh, Jordan River. They kept the Golan Heights, which was a strategic needed thing where uh, Syria would lob uh, rockets down on the farmers below. The Gaza and, and uh, the Sinai. And as a goodwill gesture, Israel gave back to Egypt the Sinai Peninsula. But see, these are consequences of war. Somebody needs to explain to our really, really you know, first grade education news media, when you start a war and you lose, and they did, there's consequences. You lose land. A lot of people lose their entire country. And Israel, out of the goodness of their heart, did not take Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, and all the other nations that came against them and say, this is all the land of Israel now. We're done with you. 
They could have done that, but they didn't. They just kept the territories that would secure their well-being. So they're not occupied. That's a lie from, from the government and the American news media. That territory belongs to Israel, and they won it fair and square, bought with Israeli blood in a war. It belongs to them. But you see, again, we're not told how to think. We're told what to think. How to think would be, wow, they started a war and they lost. Wow, you mean that's all they took from the Arab countries was just a little bit of land to secure their borders? Wow, that doesn't seem so bad to me. But you see, we're not taught that. And that's the danger that goes on. And so whether you're looking at the political realm in the United States, where they only talk about and, and by the way, the crime that Biden committed because he's not able to stand trial just vanished, went away. Isn't that something? You can have high crime, and because a person is declared unstable, no retribution, no problem, it just goes away. Wow, just think about that, everybody that's in prison right now. Imagine if your crime, if you could just been declared mentally incompetent, your crime would have just vanished. Only in the Democratic Party do you find this, because they're not doing this to Donald Trump, who had a right to have have those papers. He was the president. Biden was not when he stole those. So something we have to remember, Maggie. I hope that helps. It sure does. Thank you so much, and God bless you. God bless you. Stay online if you like. So you have some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And with that, we will go to um, Andrea, St. George, Utah. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, I'm calling in for scriptures or advice about overcoming food addiction or sugar addiction. Daryl, your thoughts? Um, well, I would just come and write to my mind real quickly is uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Uh, it includes your body. Uh, we have the science to give us what is a healthy diet. And uh, so uh, I would, you know, balance your diet out and, and avoid those particular uh, foods that are destructive to your body. If uh, you, people like to eat a lot of sugar or sugary sodas or, or foods and so forth, uh, you know, reduce it down. And then uh, if you want to eliminate it completely, it's just take self-discipline. Uh, the Bible does say we reap what we sow. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. Uh, there are certain uh, good kosher foods that you can eat and so on. And and you realize that they're they're healthy for the body and, and so on. Now, I, I must say I am a good steak eater. I like to eat steak. But I, I reduce my intake of any kind of sugary items personally. It's not good for this uh, uh, situation I'm in, which I have a cancer in me right now. And it's, they tell you don't eat a whole lot of sugary foods. And so I reduced it way down and pretty much eliminated a lot of it. But uh, just uh, get a good, healthy diet and read, read uh, things on it. And you'll be fine. Mike, I'll give it to you, yeah. to you. You know, I read a thing that said the average person eats more sugar in one week, more sugar in one week than the pilgrims ate in an entire year. That tells you our addiction to sugar. And no, it's, I don't believe it's very good for you. It turns to acidic and cancer loves that. Andrea, yep. there's a lot of books on that, and I would recommend that to you. Molly and Royce, call us, we'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Thanks, Daryl, for being on. Look forward you. to your church service on Sunday morning. God bless y'all. Good night. P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.